sometimes you don't know how you feel about it until you really start processing Mm -hmm. and talking about what to expect to be able to wrap your head around something as abstract as birth, especially if you've never been through it before is like, where do you even start? Hey y'all, thanks so much for listening in today to the Confident Mompreneur podcast, the podcast by real women for real women, where we talk about real life difficulties and triumphs as women, moms, business owners, and more. Thanks so much for being a part of our Confident Tribe. Let's get into it. Hey. Hello, how are you? Doing well. I've got childcare today, so I'm like... (laughs) working away you you can catch up on everything that you haven't been able to do for a while right <laughs> oh my gosh it's so nice I live for these childcare days but at the same time I'm like oh but I miss my baby mm-hmm. all at the same <laughs> the time mom trap yep it is the mom trap that's a good way of saying it because <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of us who work and do other things get stuck in that every single time yep 100 percent where we feel guilty for not being with the kids and then guilty for working or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, awesome. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I'm kind of like an open book. It's just good, bad, whatever. I am pretty unfiltered. <laughs> so I, I'm up for that's whatever. how I am too. <laughs> Perfect. We're, we're an unfiltered podcast. We love that. We like to talk about all the nitty gritty, dirty things. So <laughs> down for it. I'm here for it always. Yes. Perfect. Well, then do you just want to get us started by introducing yourself a little bit about you, what you do, your family, all the good things? Yeah. So uh, hi, everybody. I'm Erin Breyer. Um, I like most moms and probably most women. I wear lots of different hats, but I have a birth business that um, I've been in birth work now for about six years, which which feels kind of crazy in itself, but I am a labor doula. I'm a childbirth educator, and I'm really passionate about prepping moms, especially first-time moms, for postpartum in the fourth trimester. So that's kind of the facets of my business and lately moving into... Um, kind of capitalizing on the education piece and mentoring new doulas, which has been a lot of fun. Um, But also I'm a mom to a wild and rambunctious Mm two-year-old and um, a wife to my husband, Matt, which we are coming up on our fifth year wedding anniversary, which also feels like, what is time? It's crazy. And I think once you have a kid, it just is like warp speed. But um, yeah, I got started in birth work six years ago, but really learned about the aspect of physiological birth and just um, how amazing women's bodies are, right? In college, um, kind of on a whim, like I took a random class that fit with my major and I learned about what a doula was and it probably was still a good... I don't know, five years after that, that I finally took the leap and decided to get certified to become a birth doula. And now it's been six years that I've been working away and (laughs) really just finding this passion. And then after I had my son two years ago, I moved it kind of from a side hustle to, I mean, I guess it's still a side hustle because being a mom is a full-time job in itself, but really putting it at the forefront of what I am doing for work, which has been really fun. That is so cool. I love that. So do you want to explain a little bit about what a doula is first off for those who don't know? Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, I find that a lot of people who are maybe have heard of a doula, um, but not really super familiar with what we do they get really kind of um, interchanged with midwives, which is somewhat understandable because midwifery care and doula care are similar in the ways of looking typically at birth from like a whole more of a holistic 
aspect. Um, but the truth is, little nugget, is that midwives are actually a lot more similar to OBs. They provide the same type of care. OBs specialize in surgery and midwives do not, but they are really kind of on the medical side of things. Whereas doulas, we're not medical professionals, but we're very well educated in the physiological kind of natural, using air quotes, process of birth and supporting that. And so what we do is kind of like the umbrella statement is that we provide um, physical, emotional, and educational support in pregnancy, in birth, and then in postpartum most times as well, um, which that in itself can mean a lot of different things, but it is essentially just what I call myself with my clients is like your birthing bestie. You know what? I If you have a question about, is this normal? I'm feeling this, whatever it is in pregnancy, um, I can usually help troubleshoot with it, provide some education and some context. And if nothing else, if it's without like outside my scope of practice as a birth doula, I can refer you to pelvic floor physical therapists or chiropractors and really just supporting the birthing person and their family unit, um, whether that be a partner, partner and children, whatever that looks like for you, just supporting you in whatever way that you need. So yeah, a lot of times it is that educational and emotional support. Um, and then of course, during labor, I'm there at your birth with you. And that is a lot of different aspects of that same support. And especially if you are choosing to labor unmedicated, there's a lot of physical support that goes along with that too. And kind of easing some pain and some sensations and really essentially being your birth cheerleader. So it's like just having, I just like to call it your birthing bestie in your back pocket to really just cheer you on in all aspects of the transition into motherhood because man, we need some support around that. Yeah. It's a transition. That's for sure. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. I feel like I definitely had like some questions of where that line way but lays between midwives and doulas and kind of how you guys fit in there so do you typically work alongside either a midwife or an OBGYN or are you kind of on your own what what does that process look like for you do you are you there more for the natural side of births or for hospital births or home births or what are you there for in its entirety I guess yeah that's a really great question and as far as doulas and kind of like the grand scheme of the work that we do, um, we're there for all of that, really. All of those um, potentials are really part of what falls under our line of work. Me specifically, I um, have my own business. So you, while I do work with OBs and midwives, it's kind of separate care and I'm just along the ride with you. I've supported um, birth center births. I've supported home births and primarily I'm in the hospital. And so for me specifically, I've really kind of shifted my passion into supporting hospital births. Um, I love being a part of the birth team and the team aspect that I think is important in all births, but in hospitals um, a little more so. Um, and so I have supported cesarean birth. I've supported epidural birth, other ways of medical pain management, and I've supported unmedicated birth. So for me, really anything and everything, um, and I've worked with OBs, midwives, you name it. So doulas in general, I think if, if you are someone who is looking for a doula, it's really important to consider what aspects of your birth are most important to you, like where you're delivering, and then finding a doula that really tailors their support to that aspect of birth. Can we support birth in any facet? Absolutely. Um, but I think what is really great, and I'm located here in Indianapolis, and what's really great about being here is that there are so many doulas and so many doulas who um, have these little nuances in their business that can really, I believe, be the perfect fit 
for, you know, you can find your perfect fit for doulas because there's so many who offer so many amazing things, have so many amazing qualities. And a lot of times that just starts with you and thinking about what is important to you in your birth. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I definitely think that, especially with something as personal and you know, important as the birth of your child, you should find the right fit for you. I love that you call it like your birthing bestie, because I do feel like, um, especially if you're going to like a regular OBGYN, you see your doctor for like 10, maybe 15 minutes an appointment. And unless you're having like, you know, um, issues with your pregnancy, you really don't see them that often through your pregnancy. And then even during the labor process, the actual doctor themselves is there for like, I don't know, 10 minutes usually. So it can be kind of embarrassing, I think, to ask like certain questions or like, you know, feel like, am I dumb for not knowing this? You know, those types of things that come up. Um, So it's nice to have somebody that you're actually interacting more and creating more of a relationship with in order to ask those types of questions. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's such a good point. And I'll say for my own personal experience, I was a doula for four years before I had my own experience in pregnancy and, and labor and delivery. And even being a doula, being in the office, you know, at my doctor's appointments when, you know, you have your, like you said, 10 minutes of like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. It's like in, out on your way. And then there's just like a quick moment as you're wrapping up that, that usually the doctor's like, well, do you have any questions for me? And even as a birth worker myself, I found myself being like, uh, like, it feels like you should have questions and you mm-hmm. probably do have tons of questions, but it's like, do I ask this now? Is this a silly question? Or if, even if you don't have questions, like you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. And so it, even if you don't have questions, that feels embarrassing a little bit too. Cause you're like, mo- I would venture to say most women really want to go into labor and the birth of their child pretty well prepared, but you, you don't know what to prepare for. And when mm-hmm. you just have that kind of open-ended like okay what questions do you have for me you're like shoot I don't know and it does feel a little silly and so yeah I think that is a huge benefit of working with a doula is one you're building that relationship where yes you're building your relationship with your care provider whether that be a doctor midwife whatever um but to your point you see them so infrequently even though you have so many appointments during pregnancy, the actual amount of time that you spend with your doctor is pretty few and far between, especially if you're like rotating through other care providers or there's more than one, you know, doctor on the team. So having a doula is like the constant of, you know, you don't have to be pressured to come up with those questions right then at the end of your appointment. If you don't have any, you can be you know, in the shower or driving down the road or on a walk or whatever. And you're like, oh, shoot, I have this question. And you can just, for me, you can just text your birthing bestie and I will answer it for you. And a lot of times too, though that relationship building and those conversations can lead into write this down and make sure you ask that at your next appointment. So then you get to your next appointment and you know what to ask. And I think importantly too, is how to ask it Mm -hmm. because there are little nuances in the way that we phrase questions that you're going to get most of the time, a more detailed answer on what to expect. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. Cause I feel like you know, like you said, it's the you don't know what you don't know situation. So until something actually comes up and then you're like, well, this came up, but now like, where do I go from here? What do I need to know? Like all of those things. It's a good idea to have somebody who can be like, well, here's what I can tell you. If you want to ask your doctor for more, like here's a way to phrase it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's super, super cool. And I, I didn't have anybody like that with me during my experience, um, you know, as a first time mom, 
And, you know, I wasn't super close with my parents at the time. I didn't really have any support people there per se. And I ran into some issues during my pregnancy. And it was like, you know, I was Googling and every, every pregnancy is so different that like the Google results I were getting were like, well, no, this isn't really applicable to my pregnancy or what's going on right. with me. So it was really difficult for me to find the answers that I needed. Um, so I'm sure you've heard of it. I've had, I had hyperemesis, uh, gravidarium when I was pregnant with my son mm-hmm. and so sorry. Yeah. It's like, of course, like you always hear that nausea and morning sickness is always a thing during pregnancy. So I was like, you know, is it normal to be doing this? And of course, everything's like, yeah, this is totally normal. Mm -hmm. But what I wasn't saying is like, it was like 50 times a day, like I couldn't even keep water down. Like, Mm -hmm. and I got to the point where it was so bad that I ended up hospitalized for almost three weeks, um, was transferred to um, a facility in Denver because the one closest to me couldn't handle my case anymore. I had to have surgery while I was pregnant. And I just think back and it's like, if I had known then what was going on and got on it before I had gone so far down the hill, maybe it wouldn't have ended up in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's potentially anything with pregnancy. Like there's so many what ifs and that is what is so interesting about pregnancy and labor and delivery in itself is like, there's no one, you know, that you can't duplicate it. They're all so different. And even if you had, you know, another baby, it could be completely different than the time before. And you just, you just never know what little things could change your trajectory. But I think, especially as a first time mom, whether you have tons of support close by or not, you just don't really know what to expect. And and so being able to have someone to lean on to say, this is what's happening. You know, a a doula is someone that can say this, I would say is outside the scope of normal, like 50 times a day, or just, you can't keep absolutely anything down. Like now let's talk about the type of questions to ask your care provider. And let's talk about some of these other things. Cause you just, you don't know. And that's something that is such a benefit of working with a doula, whether that's for birth, whether that's for childbirth education, or whether that's for postpartum, like a big part of what we do is have that individualized aspect to where, yes, your doctor, your OB, your midwife is talking to you, the patient, but a lot of times they don't have the time to spend, whether it be insurance, caseload, whatever, Mm -hmm. they don't, typically give you the time that you feel one comfortable to to really lay it out and and be vulnerable because that's hard too you know Mm -hmm. and so with working with a doula is really that aspect of individualized care where it's like I'm talking to you we're talking about your specific situation let's create a plan whatever that is and so that is a huge aspect of that work I love that so much. So you said um, you mostly work with first-time moms, correct? I'd say for the most part, first-time moms, not intentionally necessarily, but I think um, for the most part, first-time moms. But I'll say too, I've had like a wave of second-time moms. I was thinking Mm -hmm. of my, my client load just over this past year. And I think the majority of them had babies before. And I see a lot of times it'll, if there's a mom that's already had a baby that maybe didn't have a doula the first time around, they're like, okay, I did not like, not necessarily had traumatic experiences, some of them potentially, but sometimes it's just like, okay, I didn't know it was an option last time. There's things I'd like to be different this time. Um, So we're setting ourselves up for a better scenario and Mm -hmm. adding a doula to your birth team can do that. But I would say the majority of the time I'm working with first time moms. Hmm. Well, I, I love that those second time moms are now, you know, starting to come in. And I do think partially it's probably because we're talking about more 
on doulas, midwives, home births, you know, those types of things. And just talking about birth and pregnancy more in general. So it's probably becoming more normalized, which is why we're seeing more of that. But for um, especially like the first time moms that you are seeing, what are some of the main questions that they ask? I'm sure you get like the same, you know, couple of questions over and over again. What are some of those? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of, is this normal, which isn't a specific question necessarily, but there's a lot of, of, is this normal? But I think with first time moms specifically, um, less, not that they don't ask specific questions, but the way that I work with families, I am, I have a high emphasis on education. So part of what I do in that education is really lay it all out. Like, like I was saying earlier, I kind of specialized, got into a place where I'm specializing more in hospital birth. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like, this is the standard of care. This is like how it goes down. If you don't kind of question the status quo, if you are just, I call it the like conveyor belt of birth. If you hop on Mm -hmm. that conveyor belt, you just go along with the process. This is what you're going to expect, but here's some options in this, here's some options in that. And so I think with first time moms, especially it goes back to that. that You don't know what you don't know. And a lot of times while there are questions that we answer along the way, a lot of times having the benefit of just being able to have someone say, this is what it looks like. Point A to point Z big picture. This is what it looks like. And then we go into that individualized. What do you want? What feels good to you? And so we can cherry pick things along the way. And so I think with that, a big kind of question mark is the idea of a birth plan. Um, And we, for me, and the way that I work with families is that we have planning sessions prior to your baby coming. So prior to, to labor, we do a birth planning session and a postpartum planning session. And the birth planning session is really where I walk you through what it's going to look like when your labor starts. And I'm going to, that's where that individualized, like, all right, if you like, are you thinking about induction? Has your doctor talked to you about induction? Like, let's talk through that. And then it's like each step of the way, like, let's just pause and talk about it see how you feel. Cause sometimes you don't know how you feel about it until you really start processing Mm -hmm. and talking about what to expect to be able to wrap your head around something as abstract as birth, especially if you've never been through it before is like, where do you even start? Mm -hmm. And so really, I think the big question a lot of times is like, what do I put on my birth plan? What's important to me on my birth plan? And those are things that we really just detail by detail go through. So you at least have an understanding of what's going to happen, like what's expected. And if you want to veer from that kind of conveyor belt, the one size fits all kind of approach to maternity care, which clearly doesn't work very well for talking about maternal mortality rates and all of those things. Mm -hmm. Like let's, let's figure out what makes the most sense for you. And that can be your comfort level of things. I mean, that's first and foremost is like, How do you feel about being induced or, you know, whether or not I, as a birth professional, believe that it's considered a medically necessary reason to induce doesn't matter what I think. I want to know, how do you feel about that? And so while I would say first-time parents, of course, have lots of questions, but I think a lot of the questions come up more from me where I just say, okay, how do you feel about that? And then we talk through it and move on. So the birth plan is a huge kind of piece of that. And then the other aspect of it is the postpartum plan that I think nobody really prepares for or necessarily knows to prepare for, especially the first time around. And so I think what's unique to my postpartum planning is that I'm not going to talk to you about taking care of your baby. If you have questions about how do you change your diaper, how to change a diaper, how do you 
breastfeed, like things like that, absolutely we can cover them. But I'm talking about postpartum planning for you, for the mom. What do you need to one, have a smoother transition of bringing the baby home from the hospital into to this, to your space that becomes your new normal? And how do we ease that transition in a way that allows you to maximize your rest? rest? So we talk about setting boundaries with family members, which usually is something that is in the back of people's mind. One of those questions that they may or may not want to ask, mm -hmm. but huge, a huge aspect of postpartum planning. And even just like, here's what you're going to need in your bathroom. Here's what it's going to look like to go to the bathroom after you come home with your baby. And here's what you need. And here's how you can stage your bathroom. Here's like, just let's maximize your rest, your recovery, your bonding as a family, but, you know, set some boundaries along the way. So I think that with those specifically, when we sit down and we go through those planning sessions, a lot of those questions that they have kind of fizzle away because one, they're answered in the birth planning or the postpartum or they didn't even know they had those questions in the first place. And it's like, oh, I never would have thought of that. And it's like, most people don't because that individualized care, if you're on that conveyor belt of a birth plan that the hospital gives you, you don't, you don't know that you need to know this stuff. Mm -hmm. It's really true. I love that you do that though. I've never heard of a postpartum plan, but it makes so much sense. And we have such a problem mm -hmm. with not taking care of mom's postpartum right now, mm -hmm. especially that I think that's incredibly important. But I do think, honestly, all of that anxiety and fear that comes with birth and, you know, with other things just in general, just comes from not knowing things. That's always what drives yeah. that. So by just having, you know, somebody to kind of walk you through things in general, and then be able to answer more specific questions is so, so helpful to give you more peace going into it, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that just because I feel like a big topic right now, kind of within my little community and it within my membership, my birth education membership that I have, we are really focusing on, on, your mindset going into birth, having those first and foremost, it's totally normal to have fears about birth itself, about postpartum, the transition to like, now you just come home from the hospital and take care of a baby. Like that's mind blowing in itself. Mm -hmm. So having fears around that is totally normal. And so what I'm really working through with a lot of my clients and within my membership is I call it the three P's of shifting into a better birth mindset. And really it can be applied to all aspects of life, especially as a mom, especially as a woman who wears lots of hats like we all do. Having a positive mindset is sometimes no easy feat. So the three Ps I think are so important. And so the first one's processing. So that's like acknowledging those feelings. Like, like if you're going into birth or your due date's approaching, whatever that looks like, and you are thinking like you have some of that fear kind of pop up, that's okay. Don't push it down because if you don't work through that before birth, I promise you it's going to come up during. Emotions are high. Hormones are crazy. I'm, birth brings up so much that you may or may not even know is there. But if you can catch those feelings and have like notice that you're having some of these maybe negative feelings, you catch it beforehand and practice these three P's when those other emotions, whether that's the same ones or ones you didn't know existed pop up during birth, you have that practice in place. So you got to process it. You got to acknowledge that they're there and it's okay that they're there no matter what those feelings are. You got to process it. And then the second P is planning. So let's put a plan in place. So maybe affirmations work really well for you. And I think when it comes to birth affirmations, people may or may not love that idea. I think that some birth affirmations can be 
super visual about like, you know, your body is opening like a flower and that may be really helpful for somebody. But another really great affirmation is just like, I can do this or, you know, just, just kind of that mental talking that you have through like with yourself, that can be, you know, a tool and an affirmation that you can use in this planning phase, breath work, prayer, meditation, whatever that looks like. And that's where you got to trial and error some things. And then the third P is positivity. It's like, all right, we know these feelings are here. We spent some time in the planning phase and now like, let's move forward with positivity. And that's easier said than done. I know, but dwelling on those negative feelings, you cannot get stuck in that place. So even if you don't mentally feel positive still after, you know, spending some time in that planning phase, you got to get there. You got to just pretend to be positive and eventually it'll work. And if we need to bounce back to the planning phase, that's what we do. But that is so important when it comes to mindset going into birth and practicing those three P's prior to birth. So you can move through those feelings even faster during birth. I love those three P's. And again, I think that that is something that we can use, like not just in birth, but in in life in general. I think it's important to acknowledge those things and be able to plan and move forward with them. So I love, I love that. So you brought up that you had been doing this for a couple years before you actually had your son. Mm -hmm. So having all of this knowledge and experience going into it, what was it like going through the birth with your son? You know, I had a really great birth experience as far as like baby was healthy. I did really well. I just, I feel like being, for me, being around birth so much prior to having my own experience with it, to me, birth was exactly what I expected. I think, especially like we were saying for first time moms, it's really hard to wrap your head around the process of birth, what it might consist of. You just don't know. And I had the benefit of being for years around birth over and over again. So for me, I had a great experience. Birth was exactly what I expected it to be. But I think too, being in a hospital and being so used to hospital births, I had my baby in a hospital. I, I, that's when I kind of realized during my own birth, that was like, this is actually a specialty that I need to kind of focus on preparing women for hospital births. I knew exactly what to expect as far as the nurse being in there the whole time and not seeing my doctor a whole lot, making sure I felt good about the nurse. I advocated for things that I wanted um, and didn't want. And that, you know, who I didn't, to me, it didn't matter who caught my baby because the doctor really comes in just to catch your baby, stitch you up if you need it and be on their way. And so I didn't care about that aspect. I, I, I feel like, At that time, I just really had a solid understanding of what the conveyor belt birth looked like. And I knew where I wanted to take a stand on certain things, what things matter to me and not. And so I think with that process, that was what really kind of put me on this path of thinking, I had a good birth experience, but I knew exactly what to expect. And that's what I want to prepare other moms for. Because it really is just sometimes predictable. I had a client back in February who, um, you know, we were talking in our planning session and knowing as she ended, like got closer to her due date, I knew, you know, what may or may not come up as far as induction. And her husband even made a comment to me during her labor of like, you called exactly how that was going to go down. And I'm like, yeah, it is. It, is kind of rinse. That's what hospitals do. And this is no shame or no shade at hospitals. I love being in hospitals and being part of that birth team. Like I said, I think the team aspect is most important in hospitals. And, um, but really they, they rinse and repeat, they do the same thing over and over again, and they can do that same process. And women can have absolutely wonderful experiences in that. Other people 
And I think like you were saying earlier, there's a little more awareness of doulas and midwives and home births and those things. And I think that really comes from maybe like a new wave of feminism of women wanting to have an active role in their birth. And that can be an active role in deciding to stay on that conveyor belt, but really understanding the process and what that means and what each intervention, if that's what happens, or, you know, that's, I think women just want to be involved and that means something different for everybody, but just having an actual say in how things go down is so important. And really that's the empowerment part is knowing that no matter if your birth unfolded exactly how your birth plan wanted, or if you took twists and turns away from that birth plan all the way through, if you feel good about being the one who made those decisions for yourself, then that's what really matters. Yeah, and that is so true. So you talked a little bit about um, being a part of the birth team in the hospital setting. And I know that there's like, you know, the conveyor belts of birth plan when it comes to the hospital. How do hospitals feel about having doulas in there? Um are they kind of don't like the idea because it kind of takes them off that <laughs> conveyor track or are they pretty good about working with you? And what does that look like for you as an advocate for your clients in a setting like that? If the doctors don't really want to work with them and their, their wishes. Yeah. So um, I would say you, from provider to provider, person to person, and really doula to doula, you're probably gonna get a whole kind of <laughs> a whole different amount of opinions on how people feel. Um, I think that this may sound a little crazy, but I think in the doula profession, COVID actually was a positive <laughs> thing mm -hmm. for our profession. So when COVID hit, and every state was different, every hospital was different. And I think that was just something consistent when we were in the pandemic in general was that there was just inconsistencies of policies everywhere. So that applied to hospitals and, you know, births, birth centers, all of that as well. So here in Indiana, and I think each coast was affected a little differently, but here in Indiana, we doulas were able to come into hospitals um, under some certain stipulations and support clients. Um, and that I think really gave us and our profession some, um, some real levity that we hadn't experienced before because hospitals were saying, you are not a visitor, you are seen as an extension of the birth team. But you have to, you know, provide some things like your credentials that you're an actually certified doula and, you know, a handful of other maybe things. But that was huge for doulas in general, because I think that gave us the respect that we deserve, that we are part of the birth team. We're not a visitor. We are, you know, we work with these women and build this relationship with our clients and we are prepared to support them in this time. And so I think for us, COVID really helped move the needle for that. Now, that's not to say that I don't necessarily get sometimes some bad vibes with care providers. And I think, unfortunately, historically, and I think just depending on how doulas conduct themselves and and their their own practice, I think you're going to get different opinions of how care providers feel about doulas. Myself, personally, I really pride myself on having um, great experiences at hospitals. And I think for me, it's one, it's a very intentional part of my practice where I know that I am not a medical professional. I said that, you know, in the very beginning of this podcast itself is that that's not my scope of practice. I didn't go to medical school do I know a lot about the medical model of how, you know, birth goes down in a hospital? Absolutely. And to some extent, that's my area of expertise, but I'm not a medical professional. And so when it comes to 
nurses that I'm working with and providers when they're in the room, I take a step back. I let them have the space, have the floor. I am really just there as, um, you know, as a support to my client. And that looks different a lot of times. But for me, I think what helps establish and reiterate that with the care providers is that, for example, if I have a client who is ready for some sort of intervention, whether it's um, they want an epidural or maybe the nurse or doctor has come in and recommended Pitocin and these were not necessarily things that were on their birth plan or in their wishes, I have them, the medical staff, I say, you know, like we're thinking about an epidural. Could you explain kind of what that process looks like, what she can expect? And I really just hand it off to the medical profession because that's their scope of practice. It's not mine. Can I tell you what it's like to, what it's going to look like to receive an epidural? Yeah. But I really put that on the medical staff because that's their job and that's what they're there for. And then where I kind of interject is that once they explain things and you know there's always kind of a pause where you can tell the family feels like they need to make a decision and I just kind of interject and say if you need a couple minutes to decide we can take a couple minutes and sometimes they do sometimes they don't and sometimes I just say do you have other questions sometimes it takes you know reminding them that they have time the medical provider leaving and then just having that space of me and the clients to fill in any gaps of answering other questions or just going back to that idea of making sure they feel good about the decision they're making, whether that is, you know, to go for the Pitocin or try a different option or whatever that is. It's all about making sure that they know that they have the power to decide and, you know, They've got the time to do that. And I just kind of provide that space. So I personally think that is a huge aspect of facilitating that team idea of a birth team within a hospital space is respecting the scope of practice. And I don't care to feel to anybody in the room that I know the most about birth because I don't. And, you know, I'll never know the most about birth. We'll never, no one will ever know everything about birth because it is so different and vastly changes from one person to another. And so I don't care to feel like I need to hold that space that I am the one with all the knowledge in the room. I give, you know, I let let the medical staff have their responsibility of informed consent to my patients. And then I just fill, or my clients, and then I just fill in the gaps. And I think that is a huge aspect of the respect that then goes both ways. I say, I oftentimes, especially if it's unmedicated birth, I'm climbing on the bed to help get in positions and things like that. So a doctor may be coming in to you're ready to catch a baby. And I'm literally on top of the bed. And I will say, let me know if I'm in your way. I will move. We'll figure this out. And I give the utmost respect to the medical professional for what they are doing. And I think that goes a long way. Yeah. I I do think that that's so true. It's just like the respect you give is typically the respect you get. Um, Have you ever had any issues with like um, a doctor trying to pressure a client into something that they don't really want? And how do you go about navigating that to make sure that your client gets the experience and the, th- the informed consent to do what they want to do with their birth? Yeah, I have experienced it, unfortunately. Um, and I think a lot of times I pick up on it more than the client does because um, you're in that really with. <laughs> Yeah, really with informed consent, it's like there is a process that should be followed that includes like the benefits and the risks and like really it comes down to the consent piece, which is the patient or the client saying yes or no, I want this or I don't. But a lot of times it can, I don't want to generalize, but I'm going to for the sake of the example. And a lot of times it's phrased in a way that doesn't make you seem like you have a choice. So it'll be like, Mm -hmm. oh, the nurse might come in and say, well, we're looking at your contractions and they're not as close as we want them to be. We'd like to see them 
you know, at this point, a little stronger or whatever. Um, so we're going to start you on some Pitocin. And so to you, you would say, okay, you're like, well, they, my contractions need to be stronger. This needs to get moving along. They recommend Pitocin. Okay. But it's not, what really should happen is your contractions aren't as close as we'd like them to see. Here are some options of things we can do, including Pitocin. Here's what, what Pitocin is, benefits, risks. What, what do you want to do, essentially? Um, so it's phrased a lot of times in ways that don't seem like informed consent is going out the window. And so I think a lot of times families don't really pick up on it, but I am very in tune with, I think the, the words that we use in birth is so important. Mm -hmm. The way you phrase things is so important because you don't know what's going to trigger somebody into stress or worry or something. The way that our mind or our mind and body connection is huge in labor. And so I just, I am very in tune with the way that people present things to my clients. And so if that's the case, I kind of do that step in and say, and it's the benefit of the individualized care too, right? Like for this example of Pitocin, maybe I know my client really doesn't want Pitocin, but they've come in and said, so we're going to start you on Pitocin. I'll say, well, how do you, well, I always put it on the, the client. So I say, how do you feel about that? I know you didn't necessarily want Pitocin. Do you want to talk about other options or do you want to know a little bit more about what this process of Pitocin is? So I help facilitate that conversation, but never in a way that is um, dismissing the medical professional, but also never in a way that comes off that I am speaking for my client even though I know they don't want Pitocin and they want to explore other options first, if possible. So I put it on them and I say, do you want to learn about other options? How are you feeling about Pitocin? And I think open-ended questions like for any aspect of this is the way to go. I mean, if I were to ask yes or no questions, do you want to do Pitocin? They might feel obligated to say yes, because the nurse just came in and recommended it. They're the professional, or they might say no, but that doesn't get us anywhere. So let's, let's leave it open-ended. And I really put the verbal kind of cues to my client for them to express what their feelings are. And, and then it's just facilitating that conversation back and forth. So Sometimes too, unfortunately, and it's rare, I don't want to make it seem like this happens always, but sometimes it's, there's no consent at all and something just gets done. And then you're left, I, I, as the doula and the support person in that position am left to figure out how to move forward. So, so like those, those situations are a lot harder and they're very few and far between, but language really matters. And that informed consent piece is not we're going to do this or we need to do this it is much more of a conversation than that so i'm very very um in tune and at attention for those kinds of conversations so i can just help facilitate remind that there's options there's never just one way to do something and there's no along that same line there's no one right way to do something it's right if it feels right and you feel good about that decision yeah. I love that you just kind of serve as a facilitator for those conversations to make sure that we don't feel like we're being overran either as the provider or the nurse or whatever, or as your client either. I think that's super important, but it, it all comes down to like that informed consent and being able to understand and feel comfortable with ourselves and what is going on. Cause it's such a big a big part of, you know, having a child in general, but also like the things that happen during birth are going to have consequences later on down the line, you know, as well, which is why I think that postpartum care that you talked about is so important too. Can we go a little bit more into the postpartum care and kind of what that looks like for you? Because honestly, postpartum care 
is a joke <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right now. You know, you go into your six week appointment. They say, hmm, yep, looks good. They give you that open ended. Any questions? Nope. OK, you're good. Go ahead. You can go have sex with your husband again. And that's basically all you get. Yeah. So what does postpartum care really need to look like or look like for you and your clients when you're working through that plan? Yeah, so when we are talking ahead of time about postpartum, the postpartum planning, um, we really start at, okay, your baby is out on your chest, skin to skin. That's when we're talking about the planning because yes, it can be considered part of the birth plan as well, but there are decisions to be made that you should have an idea of what what is expected and things that you need to, again, consent to or not for your own child. And so that includes like immediate skin to skin and when that might not be the case. And of course, options like if something, you know, God forbid something happens and the mom is not able to have baby on her chest right away. Okay, partner, dad, whoever your shirt's off, get that baby skin to skins. That's an option that you know, these are things that we just talk about what that looks like so that in the moment, nothing feels overly unfamiliar. That's always my goal is that, no, I don't expect you to remember every piece of information we talk about. And that that goes for childbirth education and as my work as your birth doula, having the benefit of being your doula is that I'm there with you and can help make sure I facilitate a lot of that. Um, but even in childbirth education, it's like, let's talk about all of the possibilities. So yes, you can decide for yourself what your wishes are or are not necessarily. And um, so that nothing seems so completely foreign to you when you're caught up in that moment. So when we talk about postpartum planning, we're talking about those kind of like immediate decisions to be made as far as delayed cord clamping, who's going to cut the cord, you know, skin to skin. Also, um, like the difference between vitamin K shot and hep B shot and the erythromycin, which is the eye gel and your options with those. And we talk about that immediate hospital, like need to know, delayed bathing, bathing, those kinds of things. But then a lot of what I talk about in those planning sessions, and I also have an online course that is all of this and way more than what I go into planning sessions, but really about how we can kind of take advantage of that little nesting bug that you get in the third trimester and put it to good use of preparing yourself in the postpartum phase. So we, like I said earlier, really go through bathroom supplies and setting yourself up there we set up Pad-sickles. a um, oh yeah 100 <laughs> percent padsicles or um you know i'm a huge proponent of the depends diapers for mom mm-hmm. the hospital gives you the really cute mesh panties and the pad that is as big as your pillow and that's mm-hmm. great does the job <laughs> but let's like be comfortable in your own home. I mean, you're, there's already so much going on, like in your body that feels unfamiliar, like girlfriend, skip the pads, get yourself a depends diaper, be, you know, peel it off when you go to the bathroom, throw it away, be done with it. And like those little things are so important Mm -hmm. in the postpartum phase and you don't realize it, but any way that you can feel a little more like yourself um, during the, especially those first few weeks is huge. So we talk about self-care. I have a really fun acronym that I call taking it back to basics. So it's like simple self-care in the postpartum. So like all basics, what are we going to do? We're going to take breaths. We're going to have alone time. We're going to stretch like all of these things that don't seem like they're that hard to, make sure you get in, in those first couple weeks. They're so hard. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're arguably some of the most important things. And Mm -hmm. so, um, we talk about, you know, having a bedside cart and how to stock that and really just minimizing the amount of times you're getting up and down when you're already waking up so often to feed in the middle of the night, 
what can we put right here by you and stage your bedroom so you don't have to get up? And once you feed baby, in whatever way you're feeding baby, you lay back down and you go back to sleep. Let's talk logistics as far as what your partner can help with. And especially if you're a breastfeeding mom, like that's not really a task you can share with your partner. So mama, if you are breastfeeding partner, you're doing everything else. You're washing, you know, doing laundry, you're refilling diapers, you're restocking, whatever you're making sure her water bottles filled. Talk about meal prepping and how you can either meal prep for yourself and easy ways to stock your fridge and good, easy grab and go snacks, but also let's make sure we get a meal train um, set up for you. And along those lines and along the lines of setting boundaries, here's a quick tip. Put a cooler on your porch. I have really great signage that I just give to all my clients. It's available on my website that says, put on the cooler. It says, thank you for your contribution to our family. Please text us. Let us know you left something. We're not having visitors right now. If someone wants to bring you food, amazing. I want you to be able to accept that food, but that does not mean you need to entertain a guest for who knows how long. We talked about canned statements that you can make when you're ready for a visitor to leave and how to set parameters around having people come to the house and how long they're allowed to stay. I mean, those all sound like such maybe random things, but in those post early postpartum days, I mean, so important. And so you wouldn't even know to have those conversations with your partner or setting those expectations with your family members of like, we're not having anybody at the hospital or, you know, mm-hmm. we're not having visitors for the first week. All of that is totally up to you. I mean, yeah, it's the same I- thing when you are pregnant and postpartum or in post in birth, like you need to make the decisions and call the shots. And that's your power in doing that. Yeah. I love that you talk about like setting those boundaries because that's so important. That was one of the big things that I made sure I did. I did a Facebook post Mm -hmm. that said like, you know, when this happens, basically here's how it's going to go down. We're not going to let anybody know until we're home, except for, you know, certain people that are going to be at the hospital with us. And then we don't want any visitors for, a couple of weeks we'll let you know when we're ready to see you like yes (laughs) amazing yeah and that's a really big thing too for me being a doula for so long before having my own experience and really as a doula I support dads and partners very differently but just as much as I am supporting moms and a lot of my postpartum support for dads is okay, here's what you can do. Here's what how you can help lighten the load. And part of that is playing communicator with the rest of the family. I love that you did a Facebook post. That is genius. I'm going to add that. I'm going to add that to my recommendations. Um, but I, I, a lot of times say at some point, usually I recommend when you're inching closer to your due date and you're getting all those is there a baby yet? Is there a baby yet? Mm-hmm. Texts that mean well, but can really just set you off when you're starting to get when you're eight days past your due date literally. and you get it and everybody's texting you. Is it here yet? And you're like, yeah, I want to hear just as badly as you do, if not more. And you want to just throw your off. phone. Yes. <laughs> that is when I say, change the guard to your, to your husband or your partner. I say, like the second you get one of those texts and it makes you feel some type of way back to those, that birth mindset and those three P's is like protect your mindset at all costs. So I say, you know, that's another can response say so-and-so my partner, husband, whoever will be up making updates. If you have questions, please ask him. And then you can put your phone on do not disturb. And you can even like, at least for an iPhone. And I just learned this recently, you know, being a doula for six years and having to sleep with my phone on loud almost all the time. I just learned this and it's such a magic tool, but you can choose who rings through and makes, you know, gives you notifications. So at the end of pregnancy, when you are over it and, you know, if you want to just say, do not disturb to all these people and have a few select people that will, you know, those notifications will push through oh my gosh, it's huge. And then, you know, that just carries on to the postpartum phase where it's like partner was taking all the inquiries prior to birth. 
he's doing it after like reach out to him and it really makes such a difference yeah I love that so much and when we were talking about postpartum care um just that little bit earlier you also brought up like if you can't help with something like if your client is having like pelvic floor issues or whatever Mm -hmm. you can act as like a basically conduit to finding them the correct people to go to is that right yeah totally that is one thing that I really pride myself on as far as um immediate Indiana Indianapolis area where I'm serving women in person I am so proud of the network that I have built and I really did a lot of that when I was pregnant and taking a step back from showing up in the birth space, I really focused on building out that network because there are so many aspects of having a birth team. And there are people whose passions lie in making sure you feel good before, during, and after pregnancy. And so um, to me, that is a huge asset that not only for just about every question, problem, issue that comes up. Not only do I have someone that I can recommend to you, a lot of the times, and again, speaking locally, a lot of the times I know that person personally, they know me personally, and I recommend them because I think they are fantastic and will, that they have similar philosophies to me, which is like, let's support the mom as the individual and make sure she feels good. And that is so important. And I love that you like really focus on making those connections because if we already have a relationship with you, it's so Mm -hmm. much easier to be able to trust the person that you're recommending if you have that trusting relationship with them too. Um, So I love that you do that. We actually just had a pelvic floor um, specialist on uh, a couple weeks ago. And so she talks about, you know, taking care of our pelvic floor health, especially postpartum. So that was an awesome episode too, but yes. Yes. um, Well, thank you so much for all of this. Do you have any final tips, tricks, tools, anything like that for a mom who, you know, maybe just found out that she's pregnant in going through her pregnancy, feeling confident in, you know, the choices that she's making throughout it? Yeah, I mean, truthfully, going back to the idea of you don't know what you don't know, um, to any mom who just found out she's pregnant, first of all, I am an open book. I am all my DMs, any way of communication, always open. I am so happy to be able just to provide sometimes validation to you as you're making your search for whatever that might be, whether it's building your birth team. But I think education is of the utmost importance. Um, And that can look a lot of different ways. I mentioned a little bit earlier, but I do have a childbirth education membership that is officially kicking off in July. So it's right around the corner. Um, It's called the Empowered Pregnancy Membership. And it is, I wrote a book in tandem with this membership. And it really is the book itself and the membership from peeing on a stick to holding your baby. It's literally everything you need to know and consider when especially having a hospital birth. We really talk about the options of everything. And that book walks you literally trimester to trimester. There's checklists, there's self-care. And then there's also a Facebook community that is really that extension of the individualized care of, yes, you can read this book. You can go through the guide, you can reflect and learn a lot, but come to the Facebook and one, meet other moms, build your village, build your birth team of professionals that have guest speakers come in. It is, I'm so excited for, I mean, the book itself is amazing. It's available on Amazon. It's called My Empowered Pregnancy Guide, and you can buy it alone. It is the perfect baby shower gift. Um, But you can also enroll in the membership and you get the guide and so much more in that Facebook group. I'm so excited for the community aspect because it's where the individuality really takes shape and takes place. And I just am so big on community and motherhood. 
sometimes you just need to hear people say that they're going through something similar or that, yeah, this day of pregnancy sucks for me too. And that's okay. And it's normal. And we need that in pregnancy and in motherhood, especially. So I'm really excited about it. Um, and you can ebbirthing.com is my website. And then you can also find me on Instagram at ebbirthing and talking about all kinds of realistic mom stuff over there. Yes, we love it. Um, definitely go check her out on her Instagram. She's always got great videos and posts and stuff over there for you to check out. And then all of her, her book, her Facebook group, all of the good stuff. So go check her out. Thank you so much, Erin, for being here with us. Thank you. Y'all, wasn't that just incredible? Thank you for being here with me today. And if you loved this episode, please leave us a review and share and tag us on all your socials. We'll see you next time.